0: This is Found in the Rockies, a podcast about the startup ecosystem in the Rocky Mountain region, featuring the founders, funders, and contributors, and most importantly, the stories of what they're building. I'm Les Craig from Next Frontier Capital. And on today's episode, I am thrilled to feature the first ever photonics company on on this podcast. So I'd like to welcome uh, a Bozeman-based founder. Pete Roos, who is the CEO of Bridger Photonics. Hi, Pete. Hey,
1: Les. Thanks for having me on your your
0: podcast. This is gonna be yeah. Well, thanks for so much for joining us. I got to tell you, I can't. Can you believe it? You're the first. We've recorded over 50 episodes. We've never done a photonics company in Bozeman. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and,
1: and that's that's crazy. If you've seen Joe Shaw's history of photonics in in the in Montana in Bozeman then yeah. that is really saying something. Cause there's like 50, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 companies on there. So, Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. It's incredible. And, and actually that's a great
1: idea. Maybe we should have Joe Shaw on in the future. That That'd is a great, really cool. That would if be a good
0: one. Guest, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I, I would, would love to, we're going to talk about all things. If people are like, you've already lost me guys. I don't even know what photonics is. I mean, I'm sure there's listeners out there that are in that, in that, in that boat, but, um, before we get into lasers and what is photonics and how do you spell LIDAR and all the fun stuff, um, I'd love for you to start by talking a little bit about your background, where you grew up, maybe, kind of your academic path and that you took, uh, and, and eventually leading to you uh, becoming the CEO of Bridger Photonics.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, look, I, I, I grew up in a small town in northeastern Oregon, a small logging town called La Oregon. Uh, in the Blue Mountains, and we lived at, out in the woods. So, so you know, I really grew up to enjoy the outdoors and and spending time outdoors. That's kind of, kind of my roots come from there. Um, in let's see, in in high school, my favorite teacher was my physics teacher. I took in my senior year, and I just really resonated with physics. Um, he just made made everything make sense in the world to me. And I was it was just really exciting class for me. I really loved it. So that was my default going into college is to start in a is a physics major. And and I think I got rejected from the engineering school. So so okay, physics physics it was. Because physics
0: is easy. Oh, he can't do engineering. Yeah, physics, right. good fallback. It's <laughs> easy.
1: <laughs> so so uh net so I had to decide where to go to school. Um and And man, when I went out to visit Colorado, the you know, it really again, the mountains were really resonated with me. And and I don't know if you've ever visited the campus um, at Boulder, but it's just it's amazing. I was just sucked in so quickly by the beauty of it. And and that's really the reason I went there, Uh, not because of any of the the stature of of the school or anything like that, because I love the, the feel of it. So, um, so that super, was great,
0: super special place. Yeah. The Flatirons right there. I mean, it's, it's just an incredible campus. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, and the access to the outdoors was, was amazing. So, so that was, that was great. So kind of, I think originally I'd planned to start in physics and then transition to engineering. Hmm. Um, that never happened, just stayed in physics the whole time. And, and then when I was, when I was a senior, um, I did this this uh, honors project with what turned out to be a Nobel laureate, Carl Wyman And so he had this cool project to use a laser to try and detect um, detect motion and vibrations in in surfaces. And so that was just a really cool project and opened my eyes to lasers at the time. I loved working with lasers and I just, I really enjoyed that project working with him. He he pushed me hard and I ended up really enjoying that experience. Um, so that's where I got my introduction to, to lasers. And so after that project in that year, then uh, let's see, I, I, I graduated and first things first, I, I went to, to um, South America for like, ninety days or something like mm. that. Just as a, I'm done with high school or I'm done with college. I want some adventure, and so I uh, trekked through through South America on a shoestring budget. I'd saved up, you know, a couple grand, and that's all you needed at that oh, yeah. point to to uh, to trek through through South America. That was a blast for me. Um, and then I think I, I tried to get a job when I came back. And I didn't have a lot of success. It was just like, okay. Um, so, okay. Nobody again, nobody kind
0: of, needed a laser guy? <laughs> well,
1: they, they, <laughs> they could. It's just it nothing really uh, you know, suited me real well. Yeah. And, and so I looked at graduate school. Mm-hmm. And so, again, kind of by default. And so my criteria were, uh, hey, I really wanted to look into lasers. I enjoy that. And it's gotta be in the mountains. And mm. so there aren't that many places where you can do photonics and lasers and all that and that are nestled in the mountains. Mm-hmm. I when I came up to to someone took what well, that's right. My my one of the people who I worked with on my honors thesis, she had been to Bozeman and she uh. knew a guy up, up here, a professor. And so I I came up and checked out Bozeman, Montana, and it turns out one of my sister's best friends went here, and so I—that was a connection too, and so came Very up cool. here, checked out Montana State, and I'll tell you, you know, it's rare when you meet somebody like this, but I remember the first time I met what ended up being my advisor. I I opened the door. I had a meeting set up with him. Yeah. Uh, his door or his door was open. I walked in, and his, his name's John Carlston. Okay. I just remember still etched in my mind. He, he spun around and when I said, you know, knocked on the door and he, he spun around and he had just this amazing grin on his face and so welcoming. And it took me all of, you know, 30, what, a millisecond to figure out that this is the guy I want to work That's with awesome. uh, for, for my PhD. I mean, he, he was just, just, he was just happy about lasers. I mean, what was his, yeah, was his... Just, He's just such a friendly guy that yeah. he's just an amazing person. He, and, and so, and that's, yeah, it was just a really, yeah, I can't describe it other than, you know, he, he's scientifically amazing, right? Just yeah. an incredible resource for me throughout my, my graduate career. But it's, he meshed that with this this ethic and this personality mm-hmm. that was so cool. And I learned so much from him, and I'll tell you, he put out some amazing graduate students. You can, you know, other companies in in the valley are mm-hmm. were started by him, by wow. by sorry, by his students. Sure. So sure. several of them. So and just, for those
0: for, those, for listeners that don't realize just the significance of this, I mean, I've I've heard the statistic before, Pe- Pete. Maybe you can confirm it, but Gallatin County, which is kind of Bozeman, MSU, that's that's where we are. Um, I, I've heard that per capita, we have the mo more photonics companies, more essentially laser companies than anywhere else in the U.S. is what I've is what I've heard. I don't know how real that stat is, but but a lot of these, like you said, they're 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 sort of uh, grad students and 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 per- perhaps multiple generations now of John Carlson, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, and. And the the guy who owns that stat is is Joe Shaw. So you, yeah, we'll confirm the it with one that Joe. you should check on that. <laughs> I think we we surpassed uh, Tucson, Arizona. Oh, uh, sure so enough, because University
0: of, University of Arizona also has, uh, or is yeah, University of Arizona is there also has uh, a pretty significant photonics program. That's
1: exactly right. Yeah, 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 that's right. So very cool. Um, let's see. I, uh, just a, an amazing graduate school experience, had a, had an awesome time. I ended up uh, getting a fellowship to go to Australia in my last year and do kind of the theoretical underpinnings of the work I was doing experimentally up mm-hmm. up here in in Montana. And so, yeah, that, that was maybe one of the best years of my life was that year I spent in Australia. Up until that point, it really pounded on the you know, the work, like just, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was, you know, we were, we were publishing lots of papers and, and just cranking uh, in the lab and getting great results. Um, When I went to Australia, it really, their culture is, you know, they definitely have a strong culture of enjoying life. Mm -hmm. And that impacted me. And in at that point in my life, and was really it, it, it ends up, I credit that that switch in my mindset, uh, to really, to really balance the work that you do with, with your living your life. I credit Mm -hmm. that with why I ended up with my wife. I mean, so many things in my life came from that and, and my advisor as well, uh, John Carlson, but, but anyway, so came back, um, finished up my PhD and then I was looking for, uh, for a postdoc Mm -hmm. and, uh, Boulder has one of the best laser institutes in the world, JILA, and mm-hmm. NIST, uh, National Institute of Standards and Technology. And, yep. and so I got, I got a, an opportunity to go down there and perform postdoc work. Awesome time. Uh, really enjoyed that. Again, I, I knew the place. I loved the city and the outdoors. And uh, let's see, then after that, uh, that's when I met my wife uh down there in boulder yeah. and I was like, look, I right, you gotta check out Bozeman. It's a great small town, uh, great vibe, and and I think it would be a great place to, to for us to raise family. And so that's what we did, moved Very back cool. to Bozeman.
0: Just and, bouncing back and forth from two of the best
1: best right. ke- at the time best kept secrets in the Rockies. Yeah. Right. Um, the secrets out
0: now on both of those places, right? right?
1: So this was in what we came back up here in two thousand five. Cool. And so uh, then uh, and what I did was I was able to get a research position with uh, its Spectrum Lab. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a it's a tech incubator of the university. Mm -hmm. And so that gave me the opportunity to work, you know, in high tech field, laser field. And but also they actually encourage us to, to look out at what opportunities are for starting starting your own company. And it kind of gave me this, uh, what, uh, you know, a a backup, like if it failed, I got something to fall back onto. Yeah. And so it, it allowed me to start Bridger Photonics. And so the start of Bridger Photonics was three of us grad school buddies, uh, just literally sat down and wrote three proposals for government funding
0: Mm -hmm. and, So that was, and this is uh, while the three of you were you were at Spectrum Lab. Was it who was was Randy Babbitt? Who was who was running it? Randy Babbitt was
1: was leading Spectrum Lab, and then uh, it was the three of us. It was myself, uh, Randy Rebel and Jay Brasser. And Mm -hmm. Jay Brasser was actually not working at Spectrum Lab, and he was hoping he could actually have the company, you know, fund his his you know his life. And it quickly became evident that it was going to take time before we could be able to, you know, really support. And we didn't go get investment. We just tried to do this scratch, right? Right. Bootstrap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bootstrap. And so we submitted those three proposals for government funding. And before we even found out whether we won any or not, Jay's former company back in in Colorado Springs, that's where he had come from back up reunite with us um they offered him, uh you know a, a solid salary and a stable life so he went back down there so we were down to two of us
0: right interesting i never knew that part of the story that's yeah. fascinating
1: yep, yeah yeah now there was so, two
0: co-founders
1: yeah that's right so well we he stayed as uh uh we you know we, we, he stayed as a portion of the company but mm-hmm. but really we were the only ones that were working yep. for the company we hit two of the first three uh, of those first three uh, proposals that we wrote. And so away we go. Uh, wow. And once we got those two, Randy and I, just we just worked our living butts off. We sure. got our foot in the door. I think that next year, so that would have been, so we started in 2006, wrote the proposals. Okay. We got our first dollars in July of 2007. In 2008, I think we wrote, together, 28 proposals for government. Twenty-eight. Funds. Yeah. Like, I mean, this was just, and all this while I had bought out. my first house, uh, my wife was, uh, we had just had our second uh, uh, child uh, to get together. So it was, it was a stressful time and I was working nights nice weekends and Randy was too. I'm and ready. man, that was, that was hard. Most of yeah. it. And so some of it was DOD, you know, defense yep. contracts. And,
0: I'd love to explore a little bit, you know, and, and maybe this is a good time to kind of talk about uh, you know, I think that you know the science of what you do is so cool. Maybe a little bit about. I mean, there's probably listening to this people listening to this episode that don't even know how a laser works. I mean, maybe kind of starting if if you're if you're comfortable talking like basics of how a laser works and then specifically you guys were working a lot of these proposals were in applications of lidar, which is a specific type of approach using lasers uh, for sensing, maybe talk a little bit generally about that. Cause I think our, our listeners would really enjoy it.
1: Sure. There, you know, you know, lasers are a light source and, and the way that what makes them special, there's a couple, a number of different, um, you know, characteristics of laser light that make it different and special from normal light. I mean, normal light, white light, right. And yeah. you know that when you put white light through a prism, white light is composed of all the different colors, mm-hmm. you know, the whole rainbow. That's why we see a rainbow because it splits the the sun's light into all these different colors. Well, a laser, well, the most lasers that folks know of are, are it's just one specific color and they can make them in lots of different colors, but you only get one, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, that's, there's some benefit to that. Um, and so, and kind of, I'm getting ahead of myself right here, but but one type of LiDAR requires that you have just a certain color of laser light that gets absorbed by methane. For
0: mm, so, okay. A single, so it's time. a wavelength. It's a specific yeah, that's wavelength, right. I, which is the I color. Use yep. color
1: and wavelength yep. interchangeably. Yep. And so, so methane, the methane molecule absorbs light at just, well, at, at specific colors or wavelengths. And so that's perfect for a laser, right? We yep. can get a laser at that that just that right wavelength or color. Mm-hmm. And by looking at how much light gets absorbed by in the atmosphere, we can tell how much methane is in the atmosphere. Very so cool. so that's called by doing that, so you shine that's atmospheric lidar. Mm-hmm. You shine a laser out, you know, right at the just the right color or wavelength, some of the light gets absorbed. And then you, you get some of that light, uh, some of the remaining light comes back to you. And by looking at how much light got absorbed, you know how much gas is is, is in the path. So that's atmospheric LIDAR. Like I said, yeah. that got a little ahead of the story. When we yeah. first started Bridger Photonics in all our early contracts, it was topographic LIDAR. And mm-hmm. instead of looking at how much light gets absorbed, then topographic LIDAR means... I look at uh, the the time delay, how much time it takes for the light to get down and, and back to you. And so you use topographic LiDAR to to scan out solid objects. So sure. maybe I have, you know, this in front of me right now is this coffee cup. I can shine mm-hmm. a laser on it, and I know how far away the object is by by, by looking at how long it took the light to get there and back. So now I can scan that laser around, and I can render that that coffee cup in three dimensions, and mm-hmm. in a, I can put it in a computer. Now I have all the points of that coffee cup in distance, and that's kind of the more traditional what people know of as 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 lidar topographic. Right. LIDAR. So
0: the ability t- to build these three dimensional essentially point maps of the that's physical right. world that's a, that's bril- exactly it's a right. beautiful it's, it's application. A yeah, it's they use
1: the term point elegant. Ground. So yep. that's right. You can. By scanning a laser out, you can, you can, as you scan out an object, you get the three-dimensional coordinates. You do it, right? You get the three-dimensional mm-hmm. coordinates of that object.
0: So, so you it. and Randy in 08 are hustling, writing these proposals, oh, yeah. mostly doing these topographical applications for the government or DOD or whatnot.
1: That's right. right. And and at first, the kind of what differentiated us were, was we were able to do it with really high precision. So mm-hmm. we could we could measure this coffee cup with features accurate down to the width of a hair or even better. Right. Right. So really precise stuff. Okay. I remember
0: remember seeing a, uh, I don't know if it was a paper you guys wrote or Joe Shaw uses the imagery in one of his presentations, but it's like a penny and you guys are like mapping like the, the defects in Abraham Lincoln's nose or something like that, that level of detail.
1: Yeah. That level. So yeah. Fraction of a hair.
0: With yeah, is re- crazy where we were. Really so
1: cool. okay, we we were we were successful in generating revenue through these contracts and development, and we used that to really mature our technology, which was mm-hmm. great. But the two of us, we were unsav- We weren't happy. We didn't want to build this company on on contract revenue. We wanted to do something that was actually used in the world. That okay, so. Yes, it was great to get us our start, but we both knew we wanted to transition to commercial revenue, where yep. yes, there's actually a market that wants what you build, right? That's mm-hmm. that's important. So we got our first foothold in, in commercial revenue doing this precision topographic live, so precisely mapping out parts. For instance, you know, BMW wants their parts to mesh to better than a fraction of a hair. Sure. so okay that's a great application we scan out their parts do they mesh we can we can uh provide quality assurance for their part that mm-hmm. kind of thing and we got some we got a foot in the door got consistent revenue generated from that but it mm-hmm. was like it was hard we had to scratch and claw for every dollar we got it was painful it was yeah. just hard to do it went, and it was the classic we have a technology now let's go find an application
0: So, yeah, well, and I'm glad you share that too, Pete, because I think quite often, you know, founders find themselves in these situations where it's like an incredible solution in search of a problem. And sometimes you can solve problems that are, hey, you pay a decent money, but like finding that real, not only that product market fit, but finding the right market where you can really uncover revenue potential and value creation. That's kind of what it's really about, right?
1: That's right. That's right. And so, and that's, Kind of the next phase, we 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 went the other route where we had a tech and tried to find a market, and that was we found that to be really painful. We could succeed, but it was really painful. Um. So then, in in 2015, we won a contract with the Department of Energy, um to to add. You know, we were focused on the topographic lidar, hard solid objects. To, we the DOE contract allowed us to expand to mapping out gases, Mm -hmm. and in particular for for the methane problem. And so at that point, that, you know, as good as it was, it was a good, the largest contract we would have had at that time, but it also meant that we kind of had to make a choice. Um, Randy saw this opportunity for automotive LIDAR, and Mm -hmm. here was this opportunity for gas mapping LIDAR, and the, our visions, there was too much opportunity, to yeah. be honest. And, and so we ended up splitting the company about in half in, in 2006, the next year, 2016. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, was, it was a, it's a hard thing to go through for both of us. And, but, man, you look back on it and, and, wow, it was such an important event that we oh. were able to get that done. And, well, and, uh,
0: and I, I got to commend the both of you um, on on just a, a, a yeah a really really challenging but but very mature kind of process and outcome because ultimately so for for our listeners that don't know, you know or that aren't familiar with the name Randy Rival like this is the founder of Blackmore Sensors and Analytics which eventually got acquired by Aurora and is is why there's a huge Aurora presence in Bozeman. So, you both went separate paths, but arguably both like had incredible momentum and outcomes that are that are moving forward now as a result of your discipline and maturity to be able to make that tough decision. So,
1: yeah, I don't not? know about discipline and maturity, for us, but <laughs> but it was we the can right tell thing. the story however we want, right? right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was painful to go through for both sure. of but, course, Like, man, in the end, you look, because we were scared. We Neither of us, there was so much uncertainty on either path. We'd yeah. been doing it together forever. Neither of us knew if we needed the other one to, to succeed. So it was just, it was hard. But yeah. wow, now you look back on it and we would have done so much less if we would have stayed together than either one of our companies ended up doing alone, separate. Yeah. So yeah. it was a great decision.
0: What an insight, so, yeah. You know,
1: maybe <coughs> Aurora and... And Randy should be a podcast for you for a different That'd be uh, fun. But,
0: yeah, we should do yeah, that.
1: For a different one. But <laughs> There's another you can good one. follow their story. Huge success. They yeah. they they're one of the you know, they came and, and made hardware and, and wisely transitioned to a software solution for autonomous driving vehicles. Yep. And so yep. really cool story. And like you said, uh uh merged with or were acquired by Aurora, and, and really cool story there. On our side, we were R and D phase for from that 2015 when we won the contract from the DOE until mm-hmm. we we released it in 2019, and mm-hmm. just before then we got our first uh, our first investment, and so in 2018, um, you know, and we hadn't proven out the gas mapping yet, but mm. But we were succeeding still in this in this precision uh, topographic lidar space, and we had been working with Carl Zeiss, a, a German company yep. that that measures auto parts for that you know. So they yeah. wanted to grab our system and start inserting it into our component level uh, product and put it into their their system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they wanted to develop this all with us, so they invested in us. Uh, that was another. That was a great a great opportunity uh, to, to take a next step forward. The, and, but then things didn't go quite as planned. The, the next year, 2019, right after we got the investment, uh, 2019, uh, they, let's see, we are, we released gas mapping LIDAR and Mm -hmm. the revenue for that, that business area doubled every quarter. And so doubled every quarter. That's right. It, but remember, we're, it's small. You're it's starting small, from but very still little. Doubling, so, right. so it, it's it's easier to double every quarter when you have I, something. Similar. I get it. So okay, and that's what but you still, know. And, okay, it's incredible. So and then 2020, it uh, the our revenue for that product area more than quadrupled. And so wow. okay, then they started to they started to take a look, a hard look, and. Some events happened. Look, we were in COVID and yeah. Germany for the most part shut down. So yeah. and we were still thriving. Like we mm-hmm. we had it all figured out. We got a great IT crew. They sent our all our employees home. We were working from home efficiently and we still allowed time in the lab. We 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 were able to to function at near full capacity during uh during COVID. Um so but they weren't. And so here we are pushing them to to get this development of this product Mm -hmm. and they they couldn't keep up. They realized it and credit to Zeiss. They saw it. They're like, okay. So they hired an independent consultant to come in and analyze whether our gas mapping was real. And so, okay. (laughs) He came out of it saying, guys, this is a massive, massive opportunity. This Mm -hmm. is for real. He had talked to the industry, our clients, yeah. tons of research, and he knew it. And so they said, they made the, the great choice to say, okay, stop all work on our stuff. Good for Focus them. Focus yeah. everything you've got on gas map. And okay, so 2020, like I said, we more than quadrupled. 2021, more than tripled. 2022, more than tripled again. So it was, it was like this rocket ship, right? Yeah. And, and, It was. It it has been really, really exciting.
0: Uh, I was going to say, "Gone are the days of like writing twenty-eight proposals."
1: (laughs) That's right. And you look back, and if there, I have you know, you know, take my advice for what it is. But if I look back and why it worked, number one, we had the foundation of of an outstanding team already assembled. The just really technically savvy, really world-class. Technical team, right? Mm-hmm. And then you combine that with uh, the Department of Energy's ARPA-E program, which is their their analog to DARPA. I don't know if you've heard of DARPA, the Defense mm-hmm. oh, Programs yeah, yeah. Advanced Projects. Okay. Yep. Well, ARPA-E is the Department of Energy's Advanced mm-hmm. Projects. Okay. They foresaw the need, the market for methane detection, like back in 2015. Mm-hmm. And so, and man, so you combine this outstanding technical team they identified the market gave us funding that we would never have risked at that Mm -hmm. point in our we couldn't have at that point in our you know high risk high reward and then the the last piece was we had a tech that that just happened to fill and we didn't know at the time but we know now that man it just nails the market perfectly
0: we can yeah you guys have a really unique obviously really unique ip portfolio which enables you know, you and only you to really, really. Tackle yeah, we
1: problem. we have uh, 20 patents issued now and another 10 or 12 uh, pending just, you know, and we keep churning them out, you know. And so what we do today is mm-hmm. we attach this proprietary sensor, a laser sensor, LIDAR sensor on to aircraft. And we we so it's looking down at the ground. We scanning out the ground. And so we fly and scan out oil and gas infrastructure throughout the entire natural gas supply chain. So mm. where they produce the gas, pull it out of the ground, they, they, the, they gather the gas into these boosting stations. Then they pipe it across, across, in big trunk lines across the, the country. Then it gets to your city gates and they distribute it to our businesses and homes so mm-hmm. we can power our businesses' homes. And so throughout that entire supply chain we can fly it and per, per, scan it and provide value to our clients. We don't sell the equipment. We mm-hmm. we scan it out and and sell the data to them because that's what they want. They don't want this piece of right. equipment. They want to know where their leaks are, right? And right. see images. So what we sell really is, is maps, these these digital maps that sh- that image and pinpoint and quantify every mm-hmm. important emission event in their infrastructure. And it Incredible. just turns out that we just nailed it. The sensitivity we can get is we can we can in typical basins we can catch well over 90% of the emissions out of that basin and, wow. and and we can do it from a flight platform where it's really efficient to deploy. Now instead of instead of you know sending a truck with personnel out to every and a handheld, you know, camera Thermal camera to try and image every component on their their sites. Oh, they don't just sniff; they don't just no. try to get a well, whiff of that. And <laughs> first, well, they odorize the gas when it gets to your city gates. So, oh, they do at the production oh, site. You can't smell it; you yeah. can hear it sometimes if it's a big enough leak. You can hear it, but oh, okay. you can't smell it. So typically, that, there's some other signatures that you can smell. But sure, sure, that's it. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where we are today. And so, yeah, maybe amazing. I'll pause and, and, and let you ask you pepper me with questions.
0: Yeah, I mean it's such it's such an amazing I love the story, Pete. And I'm glad you kind of told it uh, you know fully, you know, soup to nuts because what what I love about it and and as a founder, you know, here you have an incredibly technical founder passionate about uh, the technology, but now this has also become a a, a unbelievably compelling business opportunity. And you're also passionate about that. Am I right? In terms of what this is doing for our planet. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I tell our crew every day, our job is to make emissions reduction simple for the oil and gas community. And that's what we do. Look, there is not a single person out there that wants to emit methane, which is, I should back that up. Methane, so everyone knows, is, is natural gas. So mm-hmm. is the main constituent of natural gas right so the the oil and gas companies don't want to emit this right that's product for them yeah so oh my gosh look at this massive value we can have monetarily for them we can mm-hmm. go tell them hey here's here's where you should focus your your energy and attention on on making sure you keep that gas in the pipes and look at the the benefit to the outdoors then we keep that it's a methane is a very potent greenhouse gas so by by keeping the gas in the pipe we are really helping to solve uh, a, a, an environmental challenge of of, sure. of our generation I would I would say the environmental challenge of our of our generation and so how how cool how ideal is that I mean I get my my I get my passion of working with lasers I get to to start a start a business we all get to start a business and And we all get to do something that that's helping both, you know make this industry more efficient and tight and and also helping out on a on a really important uh, environmental issue.
0: yeah, it's it's amazing.
1: What was, and so what was the status
0: quo? I mean, you talk about these these crews going out in trucks and like driving these lines. um I know there's there's probably satellite based systems that can kind of do it, but not not the way that you do it. I mean, what was the status quo before you sort of invented this approach?
1: Yeah, um, this. So, you know what they bef- rewind ten years, or actually, 2016 was the reg that started it. Mm-hmm. What they required was you had to visit uh, every production site. And I don't, I don't know the rule back in 2016 as well as I do now, but uh, the the current rules. But yeah, they had to basically. You know, go to a site, a production facility, get out of the... And just for everyone's perspective, there are about 500,000 production facilities in the United States. If you Go go onto Google Earth and punch in Andrews, Texas. And you can just... Every one of those spots is a production facility. So picture them having to go out on the roads and, and go to every one of those sites, mm. get out of their truck with a handheld thermal camera, and thermal can pick up methane uh, if hmm. it's calibrated correctly. Um, so they're, they're sitting here scanning out every piece of equipment and then they find the leaks and then they they fix them and on the go. So and they to put it in perspective, they could cover maybe six sites per day doing that. And so, OK, and we cover, you know, some in some dense areas, we cover more than 250 a day. So you wow. see the economics is oh, just going yeah. really favor and the data is better like the sure. the, cam- the thermal cameras they struggle with like for instance hot things look like methane. so it's just <laughs> they have some challenges yeah. uh, but and and then so but they have their place also I, I would say and then you talked about satellites satellites are really valuable um and and yeah so the and so what they're able to do is number 1 they don't have moving parts like we do, and they use the sunlight that gets absorbed. A little, that one color gets absorbed. The sunlight that comes down to the Earth, that one color gets absorbed, and they can look at that one color and wow. try and figure out how much methane got absorbed. So, and that's basically, how they the work.
0: sun is their is their set, right. is their So emission, they can't work at sense. night.
1: They can't work when the clouds are out. Um, and their sensitivity is about a thousand times less than ours so oh, wow. so th- but they're still don't i i would say that they have they're a very valuable place as well they're catching they can they can revisit a, a region much more frequently than we can and much faster so they can look for those really huge emitters frequently every the promise is every couple of days right now i think they're yeah. once every two weeks or something like that but but Man, that's valuable. We got to stop those big ones for sure, right? Yeah. So that's really important, and and so kind of our jobs are are different. We play different roles, but both are important. the other, The other advantage of of satellites is they can go across the whole world. Like yeah. right now, I'll tell you this: right now, we're not going to go to Russia. So, but yeah. the satellites can go scan Russia, and and they can, you know, they can they can see things that that. Sure we would need to deploy an aircraft to do. And then you're talking about us working in another country. Yeah.
0: Well, but but I mean, certainly as the business scales, right? This is just, you know, as the demand is there for the data, you'll, I assume you'll continue to expand the fleet and, and, and uh, you know, a fleet of sensors, I should say, and, and fly more areas. Is that right? Is that kind of the strategy?
1: Oh, absolutely. Right now we're in every major North American basin. And this year... We're just just looking at our first, uh, outside of North America, our first international uh, deployment.
0: So. Wow. Amazing. Um, how, I mean, this is maybe kind of a silly question after you described, you know, 2021 and 2022, like tripling year over year. But, like, what has the oil and gas industry's response been to your, your platform? And have you, anything you can highlight in terms of significant shifts in emission reduction strategies since, since you began, you know, Really going after it, after it hard the past year or two.
1: Yeah. Well, what's cool is our adoption, all that quadrupling and tripling, is 100% voluntary adoption by mm-hmm. the oil mm-hmm. They wanted to know they, you know, for for monetary reasons, for you know, social license to operate reasons. You know, yeah. they they want there's as I said, no one no one wants to em- emit methane or natural gas. There's no good reason to do it. That's so not- yeah, we're being adopted and we're extremely effective at, at saving them time and money and doing it and and giving them a full picture of what their emissions look like. And so then like, and that's kind of our sweet spot. We can see the whole thing, right? So then you can take all, all those emissions and you can look at it holistically and say, look, you know, we can even identify which piece of equipment it came from. So so then you can divide it up and say, look, maybe um, this tank thief hatch seal consistently leaks. And they can, they can see that, right? Mm-hmm. And so then they can look at, instead of just focusing on going and fixing that one leak, they can look at it holistically and say, look, let's just swap out every thief hatch seal in our entire asset portfolio and prevent that from happening anymore. That's yeah. the power we're given them, right? And that's huge. That is massive instead of just going and chasing leaks. Oh, it's a proactive approach that says, hey, let's fundamentally solve this problem at the root cause and, and fix it. And the statistics we give them can do that. Man, and, uh, you know, we've had we've had really strong adoption. Uh, the only Just the ones that are public, uh, Exxon, Chevron, Pioneer, Diversified. I mean, I, I, I don't have a list in front of me which ones are public just we're we've been very fortunate and we we nailed something we we got it right yeah and we're a huge adoption it's
0: it's awesome awesome to hear
1: uh and and you've also
0: in addition to just on the business front and and the traction you've you've also i would say attracted have attracted a lot of very positive attention in 2019 you got an r&d 100 award um i know that your system was included in the epa's methane as an alternative method for emissions detection in 2021 and now you're working on this project the the saber project with the department of energy at colorado state university any any of those worth kind of highlighting and just in terms of some of the recognition and some of the great you know sort of momentum you you've had outside of the direct kind of business and sales
1: yeah and kind of saber highlights that kind of the shift in thinking over the last Well, we've been doing this for five or six years now and, and so, like I said, at first, the oil and gas companies were hiring us just to show them where to go. And it's the data, we, the, the maps we show them with the plume imagery, and everything, really actionable. They just know exactly where to go to fix a problem, right? But then the next stage in thinking and the evolution in thinking was, okay, I need to know what my whole asset portfolio is emitting so I can track it from year to year and show that uh, my initiatives are paying off my reduction is so i can sit here and track it right well that's what savers about they want to show that we can not only track an operator's a single operator's emissions over time they you know and we do that for the operators only sure. um, but now we can we can track an entire basin we can track an entire state and so that's the next step is all the states all the basins they want to know okay, what's our baseline? How much methane are we emitting? And we can do that. And uniquely, we're really the only ones that can do this. We can nail what their baseline emissions are, and then we can accurately track it over time. So if a state implements an emission reduction initiative, they can see the benefit. They can measure it. And, you know, I think Peter Drucker is a famous management, you know, Guru, and he's like, You can't improve what you can't measure. Yeah. And it is so yeah. true. How do measure we what how do they yeah. know if what they're doing is working unless they can actually measure it? And mm-hmm. that's something that it's only just now becoming known that we can do this today. The tech exists today to accurately baseline and track uh, overall, they call it emissions inventory. So, how much emissions? uh, a a collection of assets have. We're capable of doing that today.
0: I think, do you have any, anything you want to share about, uh, other, other avenues for either future technology, innovation or market expansion, other fun or exciting strategies that are energizing you and your, your amazing team in, in 2024 and beyond.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, look, people ask us quite a bit about landfills because they emit also and agriculture, um, feedlots, things like that. And those are, and you know, wastewater facility treatment, treatment facility, all those things. We see those like we're flying. We see them every, every time, you know, we'll pick them up. The challenge for those is they're just, we got so much market pull from the oil and the gas community that, that man, we just don't have time to do it right now. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's just really hard for us. It's there's more opportunity than we can handle right now, and so we're working to expand as fast as we can. But also, I'll say that the you know the philosophy of ours is just you know we're only gonna we're gonna keep our quality. And so that ends up if that ends up bottlenecking how fast we mm. can grow, so be it. But I'll tell you, we're going to keep our quality. Our you know first uh, core value of our company is technical excellence, integrity, and honesty. And that mm-hmm. you know, we will not do something that that we don't get the right answer. So, so that's kind of kind of where we are. And that there's lots of opportunity, and and we're trying to scale as fast as as we can within our core values.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I've got two more questions, Pete, because uh, we're just about out of time. But um, the first, you seem to me to be the type of entrepreneur that would have a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Is, does this company, do you have one of those?
1: Oh, save the world, right? <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, there it is. I thought, look, yeah, might. I mean, you look at, and I should have mentioned this earlier, like in 2002, we haven't run the aggregate numbers for 2023 yet, but in 2002, we detected enough emissions um, to that. If you could capture that and use it instead of letting it out, if those only, it would power 11% of us homes how amazing is that wow. right that's how a, cool is that and, and yeah. the week that's a, that in another frame uh that on the market that gas would be worth 1.7 billion dollars so that's sitting there for the oil and gas companies to recover that revenue and and then the e from the epa standpoint from their projections what they think the the country is emitting the amount we detected represents 51% of what they think the com- country is emitting. Now, we know that, that their answer is low. So, so we're not detecting 51%. I can tell you, we're not detecting 51%. But it's still, the, we're having a global impact. And I'll tell you, our company will have a, a larger impact on reducing methane emissions globally than, than any other country, com- company in the world that we will do that. It's just, we're so well suited to solving this problem. Uh, and and it's really fun to, and we've got an amazing crew to do it. So
0: you sure do. Oh, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you, your entire team. And uh, so grateful that you're, you're right here in our backyard in Bozeman, Montana. What, a, what, what, what perfect, what a perfect place for this company to be, I would argue because of how important <laughs> that stuff, the outdoors and, and, and the, the, the planet is to, to just our culture here and our way of life.
1: Yeah. And, and it's interesting because, you know, the people that are attracted to Bozeman, Montana are they share our ethics. So it's like, man, we pull people out of Montana State University so often. And mm-hmm. and you know, the people that that's our favorite when, when someone's like, Oh, I've been wanting to move to Bozeman or, you know, Montana. And that that's huge. Cause then, man, that really we, we key in on that. We know that's one one check. Okay. We know they're they're going to share our values in large part, and man, work ethic. Montana work ethic is is amazing, and just the ethic of you know our our, our land is, is really cool too. And the small community of Bozeman the, is is a wonderful place to raise a family and start a business. Sure.
0: My last question. I usually like to go kind of more personal on 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 the conclusion uh, of the episode. You know, as, as a as a young man who grew up in, in Northeast Oregon in the blue mountains, you've always been an outdoorsman. And, and, uh, as you, as you alluded to, is there anything fun coming up in your personal life, any trips or any, uh, adventures, outdoor adventures you're looking forward to in the, in the coming year?
1: That's, that's funny. The, you know, as, as I, when I got married and, and had kids and a family and started the business, some things had to give a bit. And kind of, I don't get out as much as I would love to, um, the, my kids love, love getting out. And now I, I live vicariously through them. You know, I was massively into, into rock climbing. Now my son is really into rock climbing, just loves it. And so when I go down there, he makes fun of me because of how bad I am now, but, but you know, he loves it. We'll go out together now and, and, That's you know, awesome. he. He'll climb the hard stuff, and he'll drag me along with him sometimes, and I'm, I appreciate that. So, yeah, I, I feel like I, I,
0: I have the same story, Pete, with, with my, with my kids. So I get yeah. it. <laughs> totally. Well, look, you've been a phenomenal guest. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Um, thank you so much for being on the episode, and for, uh, best of luck as you continue on that big, hairy, audacious goal to, to save save the planet. Um, to conclude the episode, why don't you just tell our audience where they can find you and Bridger Photonics online.
1: Yeah, we're at www.bridgerphotonics.com. Uh, we, we'd love to hear from you um, and visit our site. Uh, we, our, our, we got tons of information on detecting methane there. Uh, it's a great place to start. Thanks, Pete. All right, take care, Les.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to nextfrontiercapital.com to get transcripts, links, and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop every two weeks. We'll see you next time.